Welcome to the Grey Cup edition of CFL Weekly across Canada on the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. Oh boy, folks, it's time, baby. 106 Grey Cup from Edmonton coming this Sunday, 6 o'clock kickoff all across TSN television and TSN radio. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, on Instagram at AndyMCSports, and Cousin Feeling in a good mood. It's Grey Cup time, man. You know what I'm going to do this show? I'm going to give away some Domino's pizza. How about that? How about that for you folks? Old Andy's got you covered. Perfect football food. Go check out a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Give it a shot, man. It's awesome. Delivery, carryout, pasta, boneless chicken wings for side dishes, marbled cookie brownie for dessert, and also Domino's Pizza is an official sponsor of the TSN Radio Grey Cup broadcast. You'll be hearing Domino's Pizza first downs all game long. So very happy to have our good friends at Domino's represented that well. Uh, big show today. Okay, we're going we're gonna to swing around and cover all angles of the Canadian Football League to talk about the East finalists, the winners in that beatdown of the Hamilton Ticats last week in the East final. A.J. Jakobek from TSN 1200, Ottawa play-by-play voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks. He'll stop by. Then Jermaine Franklin out in Calgary to chat about the Stampeders. Can they finally get over the hump? Their third straight visit to the dance. Can they finally finally get over that hump and this is a 2016 rematch too remember right henry burris is a swan song there trevor harris was on that team and what an epic performance shout out to trevor harris man six touchdowns passing record like any thought that this guy doesn't belong in the conversation of the elite quarterbacks in big games trevor harris just wiped out all doubt and i've been touting him all year you guys know he listened to the show he's been a guest on cfl weekly here and behind the helmet I've been a Trevor Harris guy for years, and I thought at some point this guy's going to bust through, and boy, did he bust through in the biggest, well, second biggest of games. The biggest one is going to be this Sunday against the Calgary Stampeders. So we got Jermaine Franklin then to talk about some offseason storylines, some quarterback movement, movement that might happen, and about the big game, of course, as well. Matthew Shinetti, TSN reporter extraordinaire, he will stop by. But you know what? There's a lot to get to, man. Let's get to the news and notes. It's time for Three Downs on CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara, bringing you inside the largest headlines around the Canadian Football League. First down. In first down, we all love the offense. We all love everybody popping these touchdowns. What about the defense? Rod Smith kicks off the CFL and TSN panel asking Henry Burris, Matt Dunnigan, and Milt Stiegel about how good Calgary's D has been all season. The Calgary Stampeder defense, especially in the first half of the season, was the dominant unit in the Canadian Football League, and they were really a dominant unit in the second half of that football game against Winnipeg. Well, you're right about that. I mean, let's look at the third quarter, guys. Bo Levi Mitchell only had one completion. Now, if you told me a team was still going to have the lead with only one completion in the quarter, I'd tell you, man, you're out of your mind. Mm. But the fact that they held Matt Nicholson 26 six yards passing in the second half until that final drive just shows you, man, that defense has been present for them all season long, and they rose to the occasion when it mattered most. Rod, you're asking us, do you think that that Winnipeg Blue Bombers could actually win the game without scoring a touchdown? (laughs) (laughs) When they were within three points, and and their defense was good too. And it looked like it was just an amazing football game, and that's typically what you see in the playoffs is quarterbacks, and we heard it often from from the fellas, that you have to grind, and you have to work so hard to put points on the board. That's what we saw in the West. In the East, 
completely different. Mm -hmm. Different ball game. But I, I credit I credit the defense. Jagarrett Davis once again yeah. struck certain yeah. quarter me. Yeah. He was all over the football field. And I uh, absolutely love the way he plays the game. That defense stood on its head. Two best defenses going head to head. Yeah. And he expected a game like that. We got the game exactly what we expected. And the Calgary Stampers, their defense definitely won the game. You know, they held Winnipeg, what, five or twenty-three on third down. Uh, uh Matt Nichols really didn't have a game at all. All right, let's move it on. Second down. In second down, an anti-Canadian comment by a head coach during a CFL game? It happened out of the mouth of Calgary's head coach Dave Dickinson during the West Final. Sports Center's Kara Wagland tees it up. Despite booking their third straight ticket to the Grey Cup with Sunday's win over the Bombers, Stamps head coach Dave Dickinson faced controversy after being mic'd up during Sunday's game when he voiced his displeasure with some calls. Yikes. The league is currently reviewing the incident. Dickinson was apologetic when he addressed the situation today. I regret saying it, and also uh, I have to own it. A lesson learned, and I apologize if anyone. I talked to Mike afterwards and texted him. It had nothing to do with him personally, by the way. It was just I felt like the calls were coming out on their sideline as some calls come out on my sideline. So as a man, if you say something that you, you regret, you should apologize, and I do. But more than that, uh, I'm moving forward. I, there was nothing about it that had anything, uh, hopefully, derogatory. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but uh, move forward from there. And yeah, that, that, that's, that didn't sound good. Afterwards, Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea brushed it off, saying that he is a, quote, proud effing Canadian, and that he and Dickinson spoke afterwards. Sounds like they're all good and moving forward. Heat of the moment. You got to be kidding. Dave, you play in the league for years. You head coach, come on. You're dropping Canadian slurs, bro? Not cool. Not cool. All right, let's move on. Third down. In third down, we've talked fantasy football on the program all year long. Some great guests and analysts, Scott Cullen, Ben Kramer, uh, Derek Taylor, of course, as well. But on the TSN CFL game and DraftKings, right? Those have been the two platforms where you can play CFL fantasy football well DraftKings released their CFL All-Fantasy team. Saw a record number of users playing CFL Daily Fantasy on DraftKings this year. So here's the MVP award. Let's run through some of these fantasy MVPs. MVP awarded to the player who scored the most fantasy points in 2018. No doubt. No surprise. It's Mike Riley from the Edmonton Eskimos. 492.98 fantasy points. Balled out. Most improved. Biggest increase from last season. James Franklin, huh? quarterback for the Toronto Argonauts, 211.78 more fantasy points this season for a total of 229.86. Of course, he got a lot more starts this year, and many of those came via rushing touchdowns and on the ground. Rookie of the year, most points for a first-year CFL player, Stone Cold Chris Strebler, my guy out of Winnipeg. Man, he started the year. Remember that? That seems like a lifetime ago. Chris Strebler started the year house on fire, filling in for Matt Nichols, 190.46 fantasy points. That guy's day is going to come. Best single game performance on the DraftKings CFL All-Fantasy team awarded to the player who totaled the highest fantasy points output in a single game during the 2018 season. It is again Mike Riley, 51.18 points versus the Calgary Stampeders. Woo! And best value play, best points to salary ratio in a game for a player this year. And that's always my favorite, finding those sleepers, those value picks. Mercer Timmis, running back for the Hamilton Ticats. Remember old, old Mercer earlier in the year? 28.3 points 
3400 bucks versus the Edmonton Eskimos. That was the best value. So there you go. Your DraftKings CFL All-Fantasy team. Want to get to our poll question here? You can vote at AndyMC81 on Twitter, at AndyMC81. Our Domino's Canada Twitter poll question. I kept it simple. Hey, who and how is the 106th grade cup going to be won? Not just, not just who, but also how. Does Calgary win it by 10 plus? Does Ottawa win by single digits? Calgary takes it by nine or less. Ottawa gets the W by 10 or more. So essentially we're saying, is it going to be a Calgary blowout or close or Ottawa blowout? Or is it going to be close? I'm going to say my vote goes to Calgary wins by nine or less. I think this is the team that finally gets over the hump and squeaks it. But I hope it is a shootout and a ton of fun. And that Trevor Harris along Bully by Mitchell have a great showing because those are two classy dudes in the Canadian Football League at the quarterback position. We're going to step aside and talk about the East finalists, the East champions, the Ottawa Red Blacks, with their play-by-play voice from TSN 1200 Ottawa, A.J. Jakubek. That is next on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Cup edition of CFL Weekly, Canada-wide across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81 and on Instagram at AndyMCSports. And folks, I've been telling you throughout the season about the piece of the pie rewards program for Domino's. Okay, so this is what you do. You go to dominoes.ca, you sign up for free for the piece of the pie rewards program. This is so simple. This is I've been doing it for a year now. This is all you do. When you order your pizza online at dominoes.ca, if it's $10 or over, you get 10 points. When you get to 60 points, you get a free medium pizza. That's it. How great is that? You are earning pizza while ordering pizza. It's a phenomenal program. I love it. You're going to love it. Piece of the pie rewards at dominoes.ca. Okay, let's go one half of this 106th Great Cup final. The Ottawa Red Blacks, their play-by-play man, A.J. Jakubek, joins me now. A.J., well, the Ottawa Red Blacks pulled off that massive 46-27 win over the Hamilton Ticats. You called the game, of course. You've been doing it for a long time, doing a great job with the Red Blacks. What, what were you thinking as that game progressed? And as it got closer to the end and you started to realize, hey, man, this team's going to the Grey Cup. Yeah, I think a, a few different things, uh, Andy. Number one, you usually have a pretty good sense with this team. I, I think the offense sets the tone in the sense that uh, the defense has been relatively consistent all season. Same with special teams. There have been a couple off games for both the D and the special teams. The offense earlier in the year, at times you just didn't know what you were going to get. And you, you could usually tell early in the game, if they move the football well on the opening drive, you got a pretty good sense, okay, you know what? They've got it today, and when they when they moved the ball down all the way to the three-yard line and didn't score, you kind of thought, okay, you know what? At least they moved the ball. They look like they're in a rhythm. They look like they've got it today, and at 27-6, it really should have been done and dusted, and then Jonathan Rose 
Um, just uh, for a brief second or two, lost his mind. I mean, number yeah. one, everyone will talk about the abuse of the official, and now he's got the one-game suspension for it. But number one, uh, if he doesn't throw his man out of bounds uh, in, in the manner that he did, the drive's over, and it's going to be 27-6 at halftime. So that's the first part of it. And then because he created the ruckus and ended up, uh, you know, he, I think he's a good guy and all that type of stuff, but sometimes good guys do bad things. And mm-hmm. he, he just lost his mind briefly. And I don't know if he thought it was a Ticats player in front of him or what the deal was, but at that point you thought, okay, number one, you've just given Hamilton some life because now after dominating the first half, uh, they're going in down two touchdowns instead of uh, down 27 to six. And number two, uh, you didn't dress any backup American DBs, so you had to put Justin Howell in at corner and mix things around a little bit in the secondary. So that could have been a game changer. But when they came out first drive of the second half and just stuffed it right down the Ticats' throats again, it, it was one of those things, okay, you know what? They're on a mission. Trevor Harris is on a mission. And, uh, you know, hey, I think uh, we're the East Division champions, and I think it should set up for a pretty good Grey Cup. I do as well. Now, you mentioned Jonathan Rose, the one-game suspension for the abuse of the official. That's the right call, right, AJ? There's no way around it. There's no one arguing that he couldn't have been suspended. Yeah, no, I I get it that, uh, and, you know, playoffs are different than regular season, and you never want to see a guy miss a game uh, at at this time of year for, for suspension, but... Uh, to me, this was uh, pretty cut and dry for Randy Ambrosi in the league. Uh, you, you, you can't put your hands on an official. It's as simple as that. It would have set a really bad precedent had they not suspended him. I, I feel bad for Jonathan Rose. The good thing is that he did play and win a great cup two years ago uh, against Calgary. So it, it's not like this is his first opportunity uh, to play in a great cup game, and he won that one. But uh, in the end, uh, I think uh, the CFL got it right. In conversation with AJ Jackabek on Twitter at AJ on Sports, play-by-play man on TSN 1200 Ottawa for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Now let's talk. You mentioned it a little bit. Trevor Harris, a record-setting performance with six touchdowns, and coming in to this game and really the year AJ. And it was let's be honest, it's been an up and down year for this Ottawa offense, the team, and for Trevor Harris himself. But that exclamation point, we've been waiting to see, okay, Trevor Harris joined the elite level. And although it was for one game, it wasn't a big game. Tell me what you, what you saw out of Trevor Harris that maybe was, was different or maybe showed like, okay, man, this, this guy's ready to roll right now. Just dialed in right, right yeah. from the start. And I, I, think, I think he's had a lot to prove and, and, and a lot to prove to outsiders, but, but even to people in that locker room as well. I saw a side-by-side comparison of Trevor Harris and Henry Burris who threw almost the exact same things in 2016. They both ended up uh, losing their job at two different times of the year Mm -hmm. uh, due to injury and due to being replaced by the other. Henry Burris in 2016 got injured the first game. Trevor Harris took over. Then Trevor Harris got injured. Then Henry Burris took over. He came back too soon. His, his hand was mangled. <laughs> when when you saw it after the fact, you thought, how are you even in there throwing passes? Uh, you had fingers pointing the wrong way. But oh. uh, but he ended up getting benched. Trevor Harris comes in. He gets benched. So you saw them go through the exact same things in the same season. And I thought Henry Burris handled things a lot better than, than Trevor Harris did. Uh, and, and so 
he, he needed some growth, I think, in terms of his leadership skills. And I, I think that's the biggest thing we've seen year to year. Um, you know, this is his second year. He started games in 2015. He started games in 2016. And he started more games than, than the number one in both of those years in Ricky Ray in Toronto and Henry Burris here in Ottawa. But he wasn't truly the start. He wasn't truly out of uh, the shadow of, of two Hall of Famers until 2017. And I, I think uh, that provided a learning curve as well in terms of what he needed to do on and off the field. Because uh, when you're the quarterback, you're, you're wearing the seat. You're yeah. the de facto captain of the football team, whether you like it or not. And that comes respons- with responsibilities. So I think Trevor is more comfortable with those responsibilities. And I, I think, uh, you know, he could just focus – on the things that he needed to focus on. And, and when he's focused and, and he's playing the way he should, he's an elite quarterback in the Canadian Football League. And I think we can now put him in that status. Uh, I, I think it's been Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell, mm-hmm. obviously Ricky Ray and Henry Burris before that. But, you know, this year it's been those two guys in elite uh, status and a bunch of guys trying to join them and I think we can now say that Trevor Harris has joined him the stats have always been there he provided the wins but we're talking about one of the all-time great playoff performances on Sunday and now uh, the questions can he win the big one can he lead a team to a championship I, I truly think win or lose Sunday I think he's answered those questions and he's truly joined the elite uh, in the CFL. Yeah, I'm with you. And I got to know Trevor a little bit during his time in Toronto. and He's been a guest on CFL Weekly and Behind the Helmet. And the, the preparation was always there. Like he's a he's a football nerd and he loves, you know, he loves that term. He, he's, he's into, he's engaged. But you're right, the leadership aspect, learning under those two uh, future Hall of Famers. Now he's finally being able to show, look, I took the team on my back, and I did it to get there. So I think, A.J., what it does, too, is if he, if that this Ottawa team finds itself down or in some sort of situation against Calgary this Sunday, they can now officially lean on Trevor Harris and say, okay, this is our guy, he's done it before, and he can lead us there. So I think that in that game, not just that they won it, but that he did it in such a dominant style, like 90.6% completion, that's sick. Yeah, and you touched on it right off the hop. No one works harder. No one's yeah. in earlier. No one leaves later. I know it's a bit of a cliche in sports, but that he truly is a football junkie, as you mentioned, a football nerd. He he, he loves it. He, he works extremely hard to try and uh, to try and help his craft. And I think he's he, he's found a way to be. Uh, again, it's not everyone has natural. Raw, raw. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. leads in different ways, right? Right. right. Um, certain guys are raw, raw guys. I mean, Trevor Harris is never really going to be that guy, but I think he's found in his own way uh, a, a way to, to to lead this team. And you're right; they they believe they they can lead on him. Nobody had more fourth quarter comebacks in the CFL than, than Trevor Harris this year. I mean, I think going back to last year, he he finally started to win big games in October. Uh, the playoffs didn't go so well for him against Saskatchewan, but uh, you know, this team won a lot of big games this year. Mm-hmm. Three against Hamilton, including two on the road. Uh, two against Saskatchewan, uh, uh, so home and home. Uh, they won in Winnipeg. So a lot of difficult games that they were able to maneuver. I guess uh, the one team they didn't beat in the CFL this year. No, they didn't play them uh, late in the season. They played them uh, the first four weeks of the season, and, and the reality was uh, the offense didn't get much done. They lost 27-3 
at home and uh, 24-14 in Calgary. And that was both games were games where Harris was replaced by Dominic Davis. And it was Davis who threw the touchdown pass in Calgary. So there's no doubt that this is going to be a different animal. The Calgary defense is the best that I've seen uh, in some time in the CFL. And that includes their defense the last few years. Uh, This is a legit, uh, very good football team and, and certainly a team that comes in on a mission as well, uh, having lost back-to-back Grey Cups uh, when they were heavy favorites. So this is going to be a tough proposition on Sunday for sure. But I do think Trevor Harris is as ready as he has been uh, to uh, try and uh, climb this mountain and uh, and meet this challenge. Well, last one for you here, AJ. Let's talk about this Stamps team, obviously. A team that has been regular season warriors, near unbeatable for many years now, but have come up short one of those times to the Ottawa Red Blacks. So for them, it's got to be something where, look, they're looking for redemption. They're looking for, for to justify all their success. Is more pressure on the Calgary Stampeders in this game? By that, I mean, can the, the Red Blacks come in and, and be a little looser than maybe Calgary would be? To a certain degree, although I, I think, you know, there's enough guys that have been in this Ottawa locker room that have, won a championship that, you know, they're not going to be satisfied going home losing just mm-hmm. because Calgary is, is, uh, is the favored team. So I, I think, uh, I think there will be a little bit more pressure on Calgary. I, I think the fact that the, look, it, guys say things in the heat of the moment, but the whole Michael Shea thing, I, I mean, I've talked to people in Edmonton about this. I'm from Edmonton. And, and, of course, uh, it's ABC there. Uh, anybody but Calgary, that, that's just <laughs> the way that they think. So Ottawa's going to be the, the, the de facto home team here. I, I'm sure there will be a lot of Calgary Stampeder fans who make the trip up, but the reality is they had all but a couple of thousand tickets sold, I mean, right uh, when they went on sale. And so unless Stampeders fans come up en masse and buy those tickets from Eskimo season ticket holders and Eskimo fans, then I think uh, this is going to be a pro-Ottawa crowd. Uh, does that mean anything really come Grey Cup? I don't know if it does, but I, I just think when, when you look at uh, the week, that there's no doubt that the Stampeders are going to come in as the villains and, and Ottawa's going to come in as the underdogs. How does Dave Dickens, I thought his, I thought his apology about the Mike O'Shea thing, uh, you know, calling him a, a bleeping Canadian. Look, I, I, I get the context. I get you're going to say things in the heat of the moment, but he, he's going to have to do better than that this week because I know there are reporters uh, like Kerry Jones, and he's as better in a reporter as, as there is in the Canadian Football League. Yes, you know, a lot of the big questions at the press conferences, he wasn't happy with it. So that, that there's there are some things that, you know, that, that are going to potentially be distractions for Calgary. But in the end, these are two season teams. They know what it takes once they get to the Great Cup. I do think we're going to get a good football game. I still favor Calgary uh, right now, but but the Red Blacks are in a position where they like to be, and that's the underdog. They like being counted out. The, the media poll, and I voted in it too at the start of the season, not one person voted for the Ottawa Red Blacks to win the Great Cup. Wow. Montreal had a vote. Really? I don't know who it was, Ooh. but Montreal had a vote to win the Great Cup, Ooh. and Ottawa didn't. I was actually the only one who voted for them after the midseason poll because my preseason pick was was Winnipeg, and the midseason poll came right after Ottawa went into Winnipeg and pounded the Bombers. So I thought, okay, I'll vote for them, and I was the only one at that point. <laughs> and they looked pretty good at that point. So um, they they thrive on the fact that they don't think they get a lot of respect. 
And uh, but but in the end, you, you you've got to get it done on the field. And and when it comes to X's and O's, I, I'm not so worried. I do think the defense can do a decent enough job on that Calgary offense. But can the Red Blacks score points against this Stampeders defense? If uh, if they're pringing the pressure like they always do, that's the big question uh, in the end to see who's gonna. Uh, who's going to hold the cup uh, come Sunday night? Boy, AJ, this is going to be a fun game. Safe flight out there, man, and enjoy yourself. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks. Great cup weeks. Always a blast. Cheers, Andy. Uh, always a pleasure. There he goes. AJ Jakubik, play-by-play voice on TSN 1200 Ottawa for the Ottawa Red Blacks. We're going to step aside and go out to Calgary with Jermaine Franklin, TSN reporter out there, to get a Stampeders perspective of this 106th Grey Cup matchup. A lot more coming up. Don't go anywhere. CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Rolling along on the Grey Cup edition of CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81. Instagram at AndyMCSports. We are delivered by Domino's. Go get yourself a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99, folks. Perfect football food for the big game. Check out the side dishes too. Boneless chicken, pasta, marbled cookie, brownie for dessert. Get it all at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Okay, we talked east with the Ottawa Red Blacks play-by-play guy, A.J. Jackabek. Let's go out west now to Calgary, the other team for the third straight year in the Grey Cup. It's TSN's own Jermaine Franklin. Jermaine, third straight trip to the big show for the Calgary Stampeders. And when you look at this Stamps team, let's compare them to, to the past ones that got to the Grey Cup. The feeling in the locker room. They, they, they've been there. They know the process. They know the procedure. What's the vibe that you're getting and hearing from this version of the Calgary Stampeders? Well, I guess the vibe that I'd be getting is that they're all business. And, of course, that's what they've said in the previous trips. But uh, it's almost like a us-against-the-world feeling. If you watched uh, Dave Dickinson following the West Final victory, and he said, he basically said, I know uh, Canada doesn't want to see us in the big game again, but that's tough luck. I think that's a good idea of how the Stamps are approaching. One, they're tired of losing the big game. Um, they need to They need a, a win desperately in order to uh, change uh, what is becoming their legacy of being outstanding regular uh, outstanding regular season teams that can't seem to get it done um, on that big Sunday and and two I think the fact that they're going up in into Edmonton um, obviously their biggest rival they're going to be in that room and they're going to have an opportunity to lift that cup uh, in front of the West in front of Alberta where plenty of Calgarians can go up and uh, check out the Great Cup game. I think those are two huge motivations for them uh, starting this week. Well, Jermaine, I think that's a terrific point because not only do you have the Red Blacks coming at you, not only do you have uh, CFL fans across Canada tired of seeing them there, you're also in the ultimate enemy territory. Like, this is, it's such a cliche, right? Us against the world, whatever. But it really feels that way if you're the Stampeders. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in Edmonton, I'm sure it's anybody but Calgary, right. uh, the ABC uh, mantra. And, and uh, I think they were might, they might have been a little bit surprised that that uh, the big crowds in the Grey Cup have been cheering against them in the past, in the last two years. They really have not been uh, supported too well out in the East 
during these great cups, but they don't expect too much support even up in Edmonton Man. because it is the arch rival city. So I think that um, they're definitely going up with a chip on their shoulder. They definitely need to or want to change history. And uh, it's also a second shot at Ottawa that mm-hmm. upset them uh, two years ago in 2016. So um, everything's coming together in terms of uh, the Stampeders finding what they need and giving an opportunity to get a little bit of revenge, a little bit here, a little bit there, a, li- a little chance to beat Ottawa, who beat them in the, the couple of years ago in the Great Cup game. It's, uh, it's all working out <laughs> uh, for the Stampeders when it comes to extra motivation. In conversation with TSN's Jermaine Franklin on Twitter, at TSNJFranklin. So, Jermaine, when you look at this game, and let's let's say Calgary doesn't win, and it goes Ottawa's way, and they fall short again. After three straight trips and not being able to get over the hump, if that were to happen, do you see some some big changes coming as far as the culture, maybe coaching, like as far as turnovers, because if you don't do it this time, you have to start to think, will this group ever be able to do it? Uh, that's, uh, that's a fair question. Honestly, I don't see um, a huge amount of turnover. I mean, the fact that Dave Dickinson uh, has gotten to the Grey Cup every year since he's taken over as head coach, uh, I don't see how uh, John Hoffnagel could reasonably um, basically change <laughs> change him. Right. I mean, he's been so good, again, in the regular season. In terms of personnel, though, there's always that opportunity to change. Uh, we know that uh, Bo Levi Mitchell is in the last year of his contract. I don't think the, the Stamps would ever walk away from Bo Levi Mitchell on their own, but you never know what his status will be if he's going to give down south a try, whether mm-hmm. it's the NFL or I know there's a couple of new leagues that are starting to are are preparing to sprout up in the next year or two. So, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell is not a guarantee to continue to be a stamp, and that's another reason why it's so important for this team to win. They're never the same, and if you think about uh, the West Final last year and the Grey Cup last year, there have been uh, some big changes as well. A couple of names that come to mind right away: uh, Jerome Messon. They let him. They let him walk away. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so it's a completely different uh, backfield. And, of course, uh, Charleston Hughes, a huge, huge part of the Stampeders' defense. He has 99 sacks as a stamp, tied for the franchise lead all time. And they let him walk away. Right. They're just like, okay, it's time for a bit of a different dynamic in the room. And that's exactly what they did. So um, – to say that the Stampeders haven't changed much would be uh, would be incorrect when you think about some of the changes that they've made and some of the changes that they've made consciously, not just because of age. And that's why that's another reason why Bo Levi Mitchell says it's a different room. Anthony Parker is another uh, longtime receiver that uh, the Stamps walked away from, and of course they brought back Eric Rogers. And just to finish that point, that's why Bo Levi Mitchell thinks this is a different team it's just a different attitude in the room and uh and because of that they think they have a slightly better chance at winning the gray cup oh and mark way mcdaniel now there is a lot there's a lot of changes that happen to this team but the result is the same in the regular season hopefully the result if you're a stamps fan is different in the gray cup game now jermaine you mentioned the receivers and when you look at the storyline of this season so many teams have had to overcome different injuries different situations whatever 
and, and try to get past it. Boy, has anyone had more to deal with injury front to high end? We're not talking back end receivers here. We're talking stars going down and that true next man at mentality. And guys actually keep stepping up and they keep in. And, and, hey, there were some down times in the season, right? Getting used to each other. But now you're clicking with just it just seems like, OK, whoever's there, it's just is there that mindset in the room, that true next man up? Because they've overcome so much of that receiver position. And that's what makes uh, I, I can't I can't add to that, but only agree. It's unbelievable. That's what makes uh, John Hoffnagel so special as a general manager. There is always somebody uh, ready to ready to step in, and they always step in well. It's it's crazy when you think about it. Kamar Jordan, uh, receiver who had a 249. Uh, game this year, and he was almost at a thousand. I believe it's 944 yards receiving he had when he got injured, and that was halfway through the year uh, gone. And they find a way. Reggie Bagleton replaces him. He he has two two 150 yard games, and he's on his way to another game over 100 uh, yards. He's gone because of injury. Devaris Daniels. A great cup, like he was the one guy, the one bright spot in both great cups for the Stampeders was DeVaris Daniels. He led the team in receiving, over 100 yards receiving. He's a big game player. And by the way, he isn't ruled out uh, for the great cup yet, okay. so he may be able to return. But he breaks his collarbone. All five starters, wow. uh, American starters for the Stamps, all injured and somehow the Stamps find a way to still go 13-5. and five. And, yes, they have that blip at the end of the season. But all of a sudden, now you're seeing the chemistry grow between Bo Levi Mitchell and Chris Matthews. Bo Levi Mitchell and Eric Rogers, the chemistry was always there. But remember, he's been in and out. They've been basically nursing his, his knee injury that he suffered two years ago, assuming, obviously, he won't ever be the exact same. But uh, they've given him all the time in the world possible, I should say, to heal up for the next game. He's a question mark coming into the Grey Cup. We all saw what he did in the West Final with three touchdowns. Uh, but it's it's just incredible what those Stampeders have been able to do and find. So all of a sudden, Marquise Ambles comes in and he has touchdowns in four straight games. It's just outstanding what Bo Levi Mitchell can do with a new set of receivers. And it's outstanding um, what John Hoffnagel can do when you think about finding talent ready to be replaced uh, and ready to replace anybody in the drop of a hat. Yeah, and, and Canadian talent too, Joan Breskison through the year, right? Like you just you just kept adding guys and it was it was very impressive. And do, do you think, Jermaine, that the fact that Calgary did not have the division wrapped up and they actually had something to play for real late in the season, as late as like the last week to actually clinch first. Do you think that maybe helped keep them sharper than in past years where, hey, man, you know what, they had it locked up for weeks? Uh, I totally agree. I think that that definitely helped them uh, help them get along. And they, they weren't necessarily a super dominant team either. They've had mm-hmm. to deal with adversity throughout the season. I guess we already mentioned the injuries with the receivers. But when you think about that, that happening uh, midway through the season, it's not a shock. It's not like they're they're going to face an adversity that they haven't faced before. They lost three, they lost three or four to end the season, and they did need those games. But that showed them that they weren't infallible. I think um, exactly to your point, they know that they can be beat, which means that they they know 
what needs to be done this week in preparation. They know that they can't take any plays off. Even in the West Final, uh, they come out victorious. But they did not have a very good third quarter. I believe the offense had just one first down. So the defense clearly came to play. But the Stampeders come into the Grey Cup knowing that they can be better. They know that there's more for them to give, and I think that's a huge difference from in past years. When they had the they had the, the West wrapped up literally uh, with four, three, four, five weeks to yeah. go, and then they start thinking about uh, worrying about injuries and resting certain guys on a rotation and making sure Bo gets two quarters and, and hoping that the backup can uh, fill in. That's not the case this year. They had to go all out all the way through, and uh, we'll see if that makes a difference in the Grey Cup. Yeah, I think that that's the one thing we might be able to point back to and say, okay, this is why the Stampeders finally got over the hump. Uh, Jermaine, great stuff as always, man. Enjoy the game, and keep up the great work. Talk to you soon. Oh, I appreciate it. Anytime. Oh, it'll be a good one for sure. There goes Jermaine Franklin from TSN on Twitter, at TSN Jermaine, or at TSN J Franklin. So we've talked about the East. We've talked about the West. Let's get a big-picture view of the game and also some off-season storylines as we get ready for the 106th Grey Cup. My guy, Matthew Shinetti, TSN reporter extraordinaire, stops by next to wrap up CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Back to wrap up the Grey Cup edition of CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Remember, we will have a wrap-up season show next week at the same time. So one more show after this one to go over what should be a great Grey Cup game, of course. Uh, get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. Remember, Domino's Pizza Giveaway. I'll tell you how again at the end of the show. First, though, let's welcome in one of the all-time good guys and most entertaining TSN reporters out there, Matthew Shinetti. Matt, you're in Edmonton, ready for the big game. I got to give you uh, some credit, though, man. I don't think you get enough for the type of professional that you are. And personally, I wanted to share with people how unasked through my time as a Argos sideline reporter calling the games for the Ticats, you showed me around, you introduced me to people, and you didn't have to. And it's just something I always wanted to thank you for. So I just wanted to give you props for that, brother. Well, I appreciate that, Andy. You know, listen, I, I, uh, the way I operate, in this media business of ours is that there is no competition. We're all working towards the same goal of trying to provide the best content. And I think anybody should be able to pay it forward. I was lucky enough to have um, people in my, uh, when I started out who, who helped me and I, I always look to help other people out because in this business, the most important currency you have isn't your talent. It's uh, it's the respect that you show other people. So I appreciate that, my friend, and it's my, it was always my pleasure. Oh, well, I do. I do really appreciate it. Let's okay. Let's get to, before we get to the game here, the, the losers of the division finals, uh, Hamilton and Winnipeg, um, these are two teams that overcame a lot during the season and I think really have some question marks going forward. Let's start with Hamilton, with Jeremiah Masoli. And you saw him and Trevor Harris almost, I think, a bit, Matt, in the same light in that both were trying to prove that they were real upper echelon in big game competition quarterbacks. Trevor Harris did it, setting a record with six touchdowns. Mazzoli came up short. Where do you think the Ticats and Mazzoli leading this team move forward? I think, Andy, when it comes down to it, the Ticats offensively will, I think, feel much aggrieved that had they had the full complement of their receivers, if Jeremiah Mazzoli didn't have to go with all due respect to Braylon Addison, who, although mm. played so well, really was kind of like the 
seventh, eighth guy in the, in the rotation that yeah. they got really at the end of October. Um, and, you know, have to bring in someone like Mark McDaniel, who wasn't even playing. He was on a coaching staff. I think what you, I think many people will understand that if, if Brandon Banks was even healthy, that the game might've been a little different. However, I don't necessarily think the, con- the concern will be a Jeremiah Masoli. He proved to many people this season through 18 games as a 5,200 yard passer as an MOP nominee, that he is one of the better uh, quarterbacks in this league. I think though, that when we take a look at their defense, um, the defensive line, they will also feel uh, grieved that they, that they, that they lost a lot of depth there. And um, I think this season, um, they, they, they proved under June Jones that uh, they took a lot of strides. Remember this team came back uh, from an 0 and 8 start in 2017. Uh, yeah, but it, it is going to be very interesting. I think ultimately to see if June Jones stays on or if given all the attention of the coaching vacancies across the league, if, if the Ticats will feel like it's time to give Orlando Steinhauer his much a long awaited um, chance of being a, a CFL head coach. I don't necessarily think we'll see so many changes personnel. We'll obviously see ways of making, uh, you know, improving the Ticats squad for Jeremiah Masoli, maybe a little more depth. But I, I, I also think that we, we will see now a, a definite decision on whether or not the Ticats are ready to move forward and give Orlando Steinauer his chance to be the head coach of the Hamilton Tigers. Well, Matt, you mentioned Steinauer. There is an opening down the highway in Toronto that maybe he would be interested in. Do you think that maybe has? A yeah, point? and uh, and and it's it's no it's no secret, Andy, that Orlando Steinauer has long desired to be a to be the head coach of either either the Toronto Argonauts or Hamilton Tigers. That's yeah. no no one is surprised when when they're told that. What ultimately comes down to though is if the Ticats are willing to pull the trigger now. There's a reason why he came back from Fresno State after being so highly acclaimed in his first season in NCAA football. I think, though, that uh, the Ticats have to sit down. We're talking about their brain trust. We're talking about, we're talking about um, uh, Scott Mitchell, Matt Afnick. Uh, we're talking about Sean Burke. We're talking about Eric Tillman. Everyone will have to go ahead and, and, and really think hard to see if this is the moment that they want to give uh, Orlando Steinauer the reins, not only because he deserves it, but because they might feel some pressure from the Toronto Argonauts. In conversation with TSN's Matthew Shinetti in Edmonton, getting ready for the 106th Grey Cup on Twitter at TSN Shinetti. Matt, wanted to get your vote on our poll question here. Pretty straightforward at this time of year. Who and how is the 106th Grey Cup won? So here's the options I put. Calgary 10+, Ottawa by single digits, Calgary wins by 9 or less, Ottawa gets the W by 10 or more. So essentially a blowout or a close game. I think we're looking at a close game here. I think I so. you're taking a look at two of the upper echelon teams in the CFL. Look, look since 2014, the Calgary St. Peters have won four division titles, one great cup. Uh, the, uh, the Hamilton, uh, excuse me, the Ottawa Red Blacks have won three division titles, one great cup. Uh, these two teams have built in very similar ways, depth at receiver, depth at quarterback. Um, you think all the way back to before 2014, Bo Levi Mitchell was being groomed under Kevin Glenn. We saw Trevor Harris behind Henry Burris. Uh, we see strength on both offensive lines, depth on both offensive lines, depth in the defense, especially in the linebacking core in the secondary. Uh, this is this is a, this is a very evenly matched uh, Grey Cup, notwithstanding the fact that Calgary does have obviously their their injuries to receiver. Mm-hmm. But I think this is going to come down to those clutch plays, those big plays late in the game, especially when the ball is in the hands of either Bo Levi Mitchell or uh, the record-setting playoff quarterback. Yes. Um, and this is also Trevor Harris's chance. No, not not necessarily to dismiss all the critics. I think they are silent now. But this is his opportunity to win a Grey Cup on his own. He's a two-time Grey Cup champion behind Ricky Ray, the third-string quarterback in 2012, 
then uh, Henry Burris is back up. And remember, in 2016, it was very close that Trevor Harris was about to go on the field after um, uh, Henry Burris had injured his knee early in the warm-up. Uh, Trevor Harris hasn't forgotten that feeling of, of being ready to go and then have it taken away. So it, uh, the, the, the moments will be, will, will be held in the hands of, the, of both quarterbacks, and I'm expecting a very close game. Well, Matt, and you said it, and we've been waiting really for Trevor Harris to see if, if he can take that next step to join that upper echelon of quarterback groups, to really belong in the elite-level conversation and winning a title after his performance in the East Final, I think will go a long way to do that. In fact, I think it cements it if he does. Yeah, and I, and I think when you throw six touchdown passes to 10 oh. and you throw passes to 10 to different receivers, I think it shows you that ultimately – uh, Trevor Harris, when he's given time and protection, is maybe the best rhythm quarterback, one of the one of the, hot, one of the most efficient quarterbacks, if not the most efficient quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. Um, he had such poise and presence in the pocket. Not many people are talking about the um, uh, the, the the reintroduction of Nolan McMillan, uh, his enormous offensive guard who who took a who took a spot away from John Goff. But having Nolan McMillan back in there, just seeing the poise and presence as I. As I said, of Trevor Harrison there, William Powell, maybe not having a 100-yard game, but running some hard yards. And, and just to see him spread the ball out, especially to Canadian receivers like Brendan Gallanders, then, you know, obviously saying nothing else for um, uh, for Brad Sinopoli. It showed that this offense under offensive coordinator Jamie Elizondo um, has so many capabilities. Uh, but still, you take a look at Bo Levi Mitchell. He is the undisputed, um, I don't want to call him a gunslinger, but the undisputed uh, winner in the Canadian mm-hmm. Football League. But... What looms large over these St. Peters is the is the shadow of not winning a third straight Grey Cup appearance would put them in some pretty pretty unfortunate uh, unfortunate company alongside teams like the Atlanta Braves, the 1990s, who won oh. so many pennants but only won one uh, World Series. Obviously, the Buffalo Bills. You're talking also about teams like the um, the, the uh, sort of Vikings of the 70s. You don't want to be in that group. You want to be in a group that. Uh, um, who, who, who have at least defined themselves as winners, and I think the Calgary Stampeders are going to be coming with purpose um, this Sunday. Matt, last one for you because I know you're tight on time. Big picture, a lot. There could be a lot of quarterback movement this offseason. Zach Kolaris in Saskatchewan, future of Bo Levi Mitchell in Calgary uh, is up in the air. Edmonton, Mike Riley, Toronto probably needs a quarterback. Uh, what is Johnny Manziel definitely going back? I, I, don't, I can't remember an offseason with this much potential quarterback movement. Is this something unique to you, and, and uh, do you have any thoughts about how things are going to play out? I think the first the first domino to fall is Mike Riley. The, mm. Still, the undisputed, even though unfortunately we're in Edmonton, he's nowhere going to be nowhere near this great cup in terms of competing in it. Given how disappointing the season was for the Edmonton yeah. Eskimos, Mike Riley is still the undisputed best player in the Canadian Football League, and I don't think anyone would dispute that, regardless of either uh, Boldy by Mitchell or um, Jeremiah Masoli winning the MOP. What it comes down to, though, is where does he end up after the CBA is, is, is uh, signed, sealed, and delivered? Because there will be no movement until the league and the CFLPA come to an agreement between themselves about a new collective uh, bargaining agreement um, that is going to have, I think, a very different financial picture going forward. And I think we could see some big money being thrown around for Mike Riley, obviously, everyone takes a look at the history he has with uh, BC General Manager Ed Hervey, the history he has with the BC Lions being the uh, backup when, when they won the Great Cup of 2011, and also his relationship with Travis Lule. But I'm going to give you one name, Andy, that is going to go ahead and really dictate what happens in this, uh, in this offseason. Dan Vertlieb uh, basically holds the – he and his associate, Paul Brown, hold the contracts for Bo Levi Mitchell, 
Mike Riley, Paul, uh, excuse me, uh, Trevor Harris, and Zach Kalinos. Oh. All of those quarterbacks are trending in various directions. Uh, they will really hold the cards to where many teams have their future under center. Going to be fascinating. Matt, enjoy the game. Know you'll do a great job, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Talk to you soon, my friend. There he goes, Matthew Shinetti of TSN. You'll see him in his chucks and his suits all over TSN television getting ready for the Grey Cup. Okay, folks, as I mentioned, Domino's Pizza Giveaway. Set it in the top, as we've done all season. I make it nice and easy for you because I want you to enjoy the pizza. Okay, this is what you do. You just retweet my pinned tweet of CFL Weekly. Okay, do that. And make sure you're following me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Couldn't be easier. Follow me at AndyMC81 on Twitter. Retweet my pinned tweet. Not the tweet that I'll put out there to describe. You guys do it all the time, okay? That doesn't count. The tweet that I described to you of what to do, don't retweet that. Retweet the pinned tweet with the CFL Weekly link in it. You do that, you're going to win a Domino's Pizza Prize folks enjoy the game what a ride it's been and we got one more show left we will recap what i hope to be an epic game next week across the tsn radio network i'm andy mcnamara you've been listening to cfl weekly